Today I'd like to speak about one of my favorite topics. In fact, I could say really my favorite topic, the one, and that is about the Rebbe's scholarship, the Rebbe's title, the Rebbe's teaching, the Lubavitcher Rebbe's scholarship. In, uh, we have 40 minutes. In the scope of 40 minutes, it'd be literally impossible to cover the Rebbe's scholarship, not just in 40 minutes, in an hour, days, years, in a lifetime. But at least, what I'd like to do is to give you a taste, to give you a bit of a taste of the Rebbe's scholarship. First of all, <clears throat> to give you some facts some numbers, and then to cover, go through an overview of the Rebbe's scholarship of the different books and types of books, types of teachings of the Rebbe. My goal today is to give you a bit of a taste that hopefully, that when you come out uh, from this event tonight, Hopefully you should be inspired to learn a bit more from the Rebbe's Torah, from the Rebbe's teachings, maybe open one of the books that we are going to speak about. How's that sound? Sounds good. All right. Let's begin with some facts. Just to give some perspective of the scope of the Rebbe's scholarship. First of all, the Rebbe spoke publicly 3,193 times. What? Wow. Among them, meaning the times the Rebbe spoke publicly, and I say publicly because I'm not counting the hours, the thousands of hours that the Rebbe spoke in private, in private audiences to individuals that he received uh, in his office three times a week throughout the night. I'm not even counting this. I'm speaking about the Rebbe's talks, the Rebbe's uh, public address 3,193 times, <clears throat> which amounts to more than 11,000 hours. Among them, on 1907, 1907 occasions, the Rebbe spoke in a Hasidic Fabregen. And we call it Fabregen and Yitvahadut, a Hasidic gathering. <clears throat> and 1,286 times at other occasions, such as to children, to women, to Israeli soldiers, Lagba Omer parade, and other occasions where the Rebbe spoke, meaning outside the official Fabrengen or Hasidic gathering. <clears throat> During those times, the Rebbe spoke what we call Sichot, talks, and Ma'amarim, Hasidic discourses. More about that a bit later, but if we, if we can give some numbers about how many Sichot, how many talks the Rebbe spoke, well, you get it, 3,193. And when I <clears throat> say this number and I say a, t a talk a talk could have been subdivided into 13 parts which could have lasted for 7 hours that account 
only has one talk. Among them, Ma'amarim, Hasidic discourses, the Rebbe said, 1,563 Hasidic discourses over the years. All this has been, we'll speak about this in a moment, has been gathered and published in a series of books. You have them, uh, part of them, part of the series, you have them right there, Torah Menachem, which includes, listen to this, over 100 books and amounts to approximately 55,000 pages. And it's not finished yet, meaning they are keeping publishing it, they haven't completed the series. That includes all the talks and ma'amarim from... We can even see, if you see a video, when the Rebbe speaks a sicha, a talk, the Rebbe has a certain tone, uh, how the Rebbe, the Rebbe would sometimes sit, sometimes stand. But when he says a ma'amar, the Rebbe closes the eyes, you could clearly see, I mean, as much as we can see, that something is going on during the recital of a ma'amar. These are, the Ma'amarim are specifically Hasidic philosophy and Kabbalah. No other fields of Torah would, would be incorporated, such as Talmud, Jewish law, and everything, but strictly Hasidic philosophy and Kabbalah. So these are the Sichot and Ma'amarim, the two different types of addresses that the Rebbe would deliver and share with the crowd, which again would be included and published in the series Torah Menachem, which includes all of them. I said all of them, although there are a few volumes that are in the works, a few years that are in the works that haven't been yet published, uh, but eventually this will happen in the, in the, in the, in the next, uh, in the near future. Let me go now to the next sect, the next series. This, this one is quite unique, and you would, you know, if you, if you um, study the Rebbe's scholarship and you're going to start to, to hear a bit more and see the references, this set is going to come up quite often, and in a sense, it, it defines the Rebbe's scholarship in a very special way. <clears throat> and that is Likute Sichot. It's a very humble name such as the Rebbe. Literally, it means collections of talks. When you hear that, you say, well, you know, collection of talks, sounds interesting. And yet, this includes selected talks that the Rebbe would choose and organize them based on the weekly Torah portion and Jewish holidays that would undergo several steps of writing, editing, and editing, and editing again. Meaning, unlike the first series which I mentioned, Torah Menachem, which was not edited by the Rebbe, it was not reviewed by the Rebbe. These are a team of scholars, of course, that the Rebbe entrusted. Just to give you an example, the Rebbe would speak sometimes in a, not just a Shabbat, but let's say there would be two days of Yom Tov, two days of holidays, followed by a Shabbat, or the opposite. That means you have 72 hours 
Among them, the Rebbe would address each day for several hours, and you would have the chief Chozer, the chief publisher of the Rebbe's uh, scholarship, Rabbi Yoel Kahn, who recently passed away, Rabbi Shalom, who would not only understand on the spot, he had to understand what the Rebbe would say, but also to memorize some 20 hours of talks where the Rebbe would move from Kabbalah to Talmud to Jewish law to Talmud back and to Ma'amar and to Sicha and to... Imagine that. And he would sit down right at the outset of uh, the holiday and write it down. So of course the Rebbe entrusted when we say it was not reviewed by the Rebbe, we have to say it because obviously this is a responsibility when you say the Rebbe said so. Well, it went through another hand, which is the team of scholarship, uh, the, t- the team of scholars who would write down the Rebbe's, uh, the Rebbe's talks or the Rebbe's discourses in the series of Torah Menachem. Yet in Likute Sichot, the second series we are addressing now, what's unique about it is that the Rebbe would actually edit, review and edit the entire Sichot. would invest himself so much in those uh, edited Sichot. The Rebbe would even add notes that he didn't say during the original address, the original talk. So, I mentioned the Rebbe would add notes, including what's unique also about the Sichot in Likute Sichot, footnotes. Those footnotes, which at first glance seems basic, as any footnotes in any article, you would see footnotes with references. But here, with time, people began to realize the precision, the hints, and the wealth of of pearls of wisdom that have been carefully crafted and and put in by the Rebbe through his note. So, <clears throat> this is a bit about the Kutesichat I mentioned, about 1,500 talks like that, where it got the stamp of the Rebbe. It's now considered to be, although it first went through the team of scholars and eventually reviewed and edited by the Rebbe, yet it is now to be considered the Rebbe's own words. And so it gives it a certain status, obviously, the precision, the, the, the depth of the Sicha, and um, no wonder that this is one of the sets or books of the Rebbe that are being, uh, how would you say that, a particular chavivut, cherishment of uh, the Likute Sichot series. <coughs> Any questions? Any comments so far? What the topics that the Tesichot cover? Great question. The topics of Likute Sichot were Chidushim, novel explanations of Torah, which varies from Talmud, Kabbalah, Jewish law, Hasidic philosophy, Rashi, Rambam. It has thoughts and 
and explanations on the entire Torah, on every field of Torah. Unlike the Ma'amarim, which are specifically Hasidut, Sichot, in Likute Sichot as well, covers topics of Torah and uh, on every field of Torah. Because you ask, I'll mention also, that in Likute Sichot, in that series, the Rebbe also began to develop not only new explanation on a particular topic, but new methods of learning. Now, if I had the time, I would share some of them, but we're limited with time. The Rebbe would share new methods, new approaches to study. Some as, quote-unquote, basic as Rashi on the Torah. Everyone knows Rashi, right? <clears throat> so you would say, by now, there is not much to add on to Rashi. Well, not only the Rebbe added a nuance, a detail, a chidush, he, he actually developed a whole new, new, brand new, creative method and approach to study Rashi on the Torah. To give you some numbers, because we're giving numbers today, Rabbi gave slowly, slowly rules of how to study properly Rashi. The Rabbi would question the many commentaries on Rashi. And the Rabbi would come up with his own novel understanding of Rashi, which at the end seems so simple, seems so clear, and seems so truthful. But we began to see that this was based on a rule, meaning on a method, on a principle to study Rashi. And then slowly, slowly with the years, the Rebbe began to introduce new rules, new principles. There is about 620 rules, principles, that the Rebbe developed into the study of Rashi. These, obviously, you can... You can become familiar with them by just listening to the Rebbe's talks or uh, going through Torah Menachem, the unedited talks, but you can actually much better seeing them and, and analyze them properly through the Rebbe's edited talks. In fact, in the Rebbe's, going back to your question, Robert, in the Rebbe's edited talks, a large portion of those edited talks in the Kutasichot, a large portion is dedicated to the Sichot on Rashi, which we famously uh, nicknamed Rashi Sicha, right? Rashi Sicha, Sicha on Rashi, which the Rebbe would pick and choose, select a Rashi on the Torah portion, ask some questions, and then the Rebbe would give his novel, first of all, address the many answers of the commentaries, showing how they are insufficient, and then the Rebbe would come up with based on rule one, two, three, and seven, here we go. Novel explanation, we can understand the Rashi now. The Rashi can make sense to everyone until the five-year-old. Anyways, that's just one approach that the Rebbe developed in Likute Sichot. There are a few others. I said if we had the time, we would share a few, a few more, but perhaps we'll have other occasions to... Uh, 
to uh, study together. <clears throat> so, next series, the Reshimot, personal notes of the Rebbe. What's unique about them? First of all, these are personal notes that the Rebbe himself wrote from beginning to end. They didn't go through any, any team of scholars or anyone. They were notes that the Rebbe would write for himself back in Europe, in Berlin, in Paris. In fact, the Rebbe at the begin, beginning of the particular note, he would write not to all of them, but to some of them, if it was in this city or that city or this place. And Rebbe would write either Rosh Prokim uh, highlights, head notes, highlights of talks that he would deliver at the time, or for other reasons, that the Rebbe would write certain chidushim, certain ideas that he would come up with and record in writing. <coughs> the Rebbe carried those notes, obviously. Imagine how, how precious they were to the Rebbe all the way to America. The Rebbe kept them with him. But they were unknown. They were in the Rebbe's drawer. Nobody knew about them. And the Rebbe never gave them officially uh, to be published. When the Rebbe passed away, eventually it was published. It was understood that this was the Rebbe's will um, to be published to, to the world. They are published and they reveal, as every other set we mentioned, they reveal an aspect of the Rebbe's scholarship that is unique. There you can, you can enter almost the Rebbe's own mind during those years that precede um, the, 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 the period where he took on officially the leadership of Chabad. He wasn't officially yet the Rebbe, but you can see there in those notes, Neitzanim, like um, taste, insight of revolutionary ideas in Torah that the Rebbe would eventually develop and and revealed to, to the world after he became the Rebbe. They're obviously very precise. This is the Rebbe's own writing. And so that shows you how each word there is another pearl of wisdom. Um, I mentioned before about 3,000 printed pages of the Rebbe's Reshimot and the Rebbe's personal notes. And uh, if we can, going back to your question earlier, what topic, what type of, of areas of Torah the Rebbe addresses there? Literally everything. Pardesa Torah. It includes Kabbalah, Talmud. It includes Jewish law. It includes Rashi. It includes um, Rambam. It includes literally every single field of Torah. And in fact, it reveals also one of the approaches of the Rebbe's uh, method of study, which is something you can see in the Rebbe's scholarship, that the Rebbe unifies, the Rebbe unifies many different fields of Torah, something that is unique to the Rebbe. Other great scholars would be 
analyzing a topic of Talmud, develop it, and that belongs to the field of Talmud and Jewish law, period. Other scholars would analyze and develop a, a, a topic, text of Torah that belongs to the field of Kabbalah, of, Has, of Hasidut. But the rabbi would jump from one field to another field, and he would show how really the whole Torah is connected. That although they are clearly distinct fields of Torah, this is Talmud, this is Kabbalah, and so on, yet the rabbi would find a connection between several topics which at first glance have no connection whatsoever. That is the that is the result, but I'd like to emphasize the cause, meaning the roots, the reason of this, or the Rebbe's approach to Torah study. And that is that the Rebbe would go back everything he would learn to the essence of the topic, to the soul of it, to the core essence. He wouldn't just analyze it based on the details and the elements that that the topic he's speaking about, the parameters, the, 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 different, the different details or, or data of a particular topic, but the Rebbe would go right away to the core essence, logic, the soul of the, of the subject. And the soul of the subject is, is not necessarily belonging to Talmud, or to Kabbalah, or to Jewish law. It's God's wisdom. God's wisdom is pure. It's pure of any field of Torah. And when you get to the core, to God's wisdom, then you can clearly see how this connects everywhere. It's like, and what time I was trying to describe this, if I can describe this in, because we have only five minutes left, but from, from an apple tree, right? From an apple. You can recreate what? Yeah. Apple. Can you recreate an, pears or mangoes out of an apple? Yeah. Possible. From mango, what can you reproduce? Mangoes. Mango. Here's the thing. From, you're going to have to help me here. From the power of growth of growing vegetation which is in the earth. The earth has the power of... From that power, you can grow what? Anything. Anything. Apple, mango, mango, avocado, anything you want. Why is that? But it depends on the soil. Some soil well, of course. Of course, we have experts here in the, in the field, so of course it depends on the soil and a few other factors, but I'm speaking about the, the spiritual energy of growth which is which Hashem put in into the earth. Why is that? That from an apple, you can only reproduce an apple, but from the earth, you can reproduce anything. Well, Answer is simple. The apple is already defined into particular... Mm. It's an apple. Once it's defined, it can only reproduce an apple. But the power of growth in the earth is undefined. Being undefined, it can reproduce everything. And that is why other scholars would... It <coughs> initially approach a particular topic already defined. And so they would be stuck to the parameters of that particular topic or field of Torah. The Rebbe, when he would approach a topic, he would right away go to the power 
of, if we can use the example, the power of, of growth which exists in the earth. He would go back to the undefined logic behind this particular topic, which there is removed from any details and parameters, and, and therefore it can reproduce. It doesn't belong to any field. It can reproduce the logic that would apply itself in Talmud, in Kabbalah, anywhere. And finally, we'll conclude with this. The last, uh, the last uh, series, very rich series of the Rebbe's Torah, of the Rebbe's scholarship, is the Iglot Kodesh that I was uh, mentioning briefly earlier. The Rebbe's Holy Letters. <clears throat> Rebbe's Holy Letters includes letters that the Rebbe allowed through various directives and guiding principles uh, what should be published and what should not be published and remain confidential. <clears throat> Many of the correspondence to individuals apply to all of us. In fact, if you study in God Kodesh, you will there see answers to many questions you may have in every area of life. Because the letters addresses, um, sometimes these are letters that are strictly Torah ideas. People would ask the rabbi a question in Torah and the rabbi would respond. They include instructions and guidance into one's spiritual growth, Avodat Hashem, advice about struggles, spiritual struggles that people went through and shared them with the Rebbe, the Rebbe would respond. It includes also letters with practical insights, instructions and guidance and messages on all area of life. And it has there, if I can say, I mean, you got Kodesh, we can go on for a while, but uh, it has there a tone of optimism. And we're going through dilemmas and struggles. And so people, you see, what we're going through, share them with the Rebbe. And the Rebbe, each and every letter, each and every letter, uplifts the crowd. Uplifts the crowd. So, there is one thing I can encourage you today, is to increase I'm sure you're already familiar with some of the Rebbe's books and teachings, but to increase your own study of the Rebbe, perhaps reading the Rebbe's letters. These are light and these are inspiring. And I can certainly say, because I'm speaking here from personal experience, that they will enrich your life and bring you uh, so much, uh, so much uh, inspiration optimism and even practical guidance on many areas uh, of, uh, of Jewish life in general. I should also mention, obviously, you may wonder, we're speaking here to an English crowd, the Rebbe's Torah was published originally in Yiddish or in Hebrew, a bit in English and other languages that the Rebbe used, very, very little, but a lot of it has been translated and is today available in English, in French, in Russian, in Spanish, and other languages. So yes, it is available to all of us. And so I wish you uh, good luck in your uh, continuous study of the Rebbe's, uh, 
Alderaid's uh, talk. Thank you. Thank you. Uh,